Welcome to the CX Impact Podcast. Speed up your customer experience success. The CX Impact Podcast is brought to you by Gemseek, your trusted analytics advisor, helping you predict what your customers will do next. Hello, everybody. I'm Momchu Blaskov, host of the CX Impact Podcast and CX Champion at Gemseek. Hope you liked the previous episode of the podcast. If you haven't heard it yet, you can find it on Spotify, YouTube, and SoundCloud. I'm very excited about our topic today. We'll zoom into customer experience in the telco sector, what makes the industry special, how you can improve the ROI of your program and boost its impact. We'll also emphasize on the role of CX analytics to achieve this transformation. I'm very lucky to have today as my guest, Dave Patarica. Dave is a CX professional with over 20 years of experience in the telco sector and has changed many CX-related positions within UPC. He loves solving the challenges that arise from meeting customer expectations while driving financial growth for the business. Dave has rich experience in building, managing, and owning quality and CX programs involving over 20,000 employees and 20 million customers. He has experience also improving ROI of MPS programs. In fact, he first did it back in 2010 when most experts in the field even hasn't started talking about it. And uh, he's also expert in MPS growth and churn reduction. In 2020, he was awarded the European Telco CX Award for Best uh, Use of AI in CX for launching a virtual MPS model together with Gemseek. Dave, thanks for being on the CX Impact podcast. Hi, everyone, and thanks for the invite. It's really a pleasure to be here and just share some of my experiences in the telco field throughout the past years. Um, I hope they will help you get a bit of an idea of what you can do with probably your own program or how to best start one if you haven't so far. Yeah, this will be super helpful, I believe. Okay, tell us a bit more about your path in CX and why you have selected this field. Okay, um, well, I've spent most of my... 20 plus years of uh, business life working with and for customers one way or another. So uh, it, it kind of almost feels like a natural choice, but in fact, it was pure coincidence. Um, it was probably more the field selecting me than the other way around. Now, let me explain you a bit why that is. So my whole journey into the field started years ago with declining sales, increasing churns, and nobody really had that one silver bullet to mitigate all those issues or to actually change trends. So we came up with the idea to just ask a few customers about what they think making business with us. And back in those days, I must admit I had no clue about MPS. There wasn't much happening in the CX field. There wasn't many other companies doing something already in that space. So it was a lot of trial and error we tried a lot, we failed in some cases, we succeeded in some others, but ultimately seeing those first customer feedback, seeing how rich they were in, in trying to help us find the things that they disliked, pointing us to the right things to change, to improve their experience, just pulled me right into the topic. And even now, more than 10 years down the road, CX has matured a lot, new technologies, new opportunities have emerged in the market. And to me, they keep this job the most interesting job one could work in, at least my opinion, but certainly something worthwhile looking into and certainly something I'm very much looking forward for another 
20 years or more, seeing what's going to happen in the field in the years to come. It sounds like a very long and exciting journey that you've been through all these years switching from one ways of doing things to another way. Something that we've been discussing a lot here with our telco experts at GMC recently is really why the telco industry score lower in terms of customer satisfaction than other industries. What's your view on this one? That's a very good question. And um, we've been having those type of discussions many, many times in the past years. Um, people comparing our scores with companies selling Swiss chocolate, kind of popular in this country, um, and, and obviously seeing big differences. Now, let me start with sort of the most simple reason um, first. Customer experience is still relatively new to the industry. For many years, that business just went too well, so to say, without paying attention to customers that much. Customers maybe didn't even have a choice. They just had one provider. So there, there wasn't really that emerging need of paying much attention to it. Now, that has changed a lot in the past years. But unfortunately, changing reputation can be a rather lengthy process. So telcos are on the right trajectory. They're moving upwards, but it simply might take a few more years till that gets into the similar range than those guys selling chocolate or a few other industries. But to, to be fair to the industry itself, there definitely is a couple of important factors that do make CX in telcos slightly more challenging compared to other industries. The, the most important reason probably being telcos having a rather large number of possible reasons why customers like or dislike them again, compared to different industries. As a sample, did you know that electric Christmas lights do degrade your internet performance by up to 25%? That's not necessarily something a telco can change, you know? And it's hard to teach customers to not use electric lights on their Christmas tree, probably impossible. Nevertheless, if you have poor experience at home, with your internet speed during Christmas time, you might blame that on your telco provider. So it's like as long as, as broader the range of your product features is, as broader your product portfolio is, the more risk you obviously encounter that there is bits and pieces of the experience that do not meet customers' expectations. So that's that's one. Now, another reason is the continuous nature of the relationship. If you allow me to use a sample again, if we take retail, that's more of a transactional experience. You go in, you buy something, you check out, you leave again. That, that's a closed time. That's a closed type of experience. Now, with Telco, that is products you're using day in, day out, especially now in, in these difficult times we're in. That is extremely important and you might be online for several hours a day. So that means that your experience can change from one moment to another, from one movie to another. So obviously, in order to make a good impression at the end of the day, you need to provide perfect experience throughout 24-7, essentially. So that, that is certainly something that is just creating extra challenge. Also, when you try to analyze data, it might not be a single moment that is making the experience. It's an entire journey. It might be the entire day or the entire month even. Now, last but not least, there is one more. And that one is a bit of a tricky one. 
in some regions or countries, you simply might not have much alternatives. So there is one provider. Obviously, you have to pick that one if you want to have any telco services. Now, why is that impacting the score? Let's use a sample again. Apple. Everyone knows Apple. Now, those customers that hate Apple maybe just didn't buy an Apple device in the first place. So if you look at their MPS survey, those customers didn't make it into the survey at all. Hence, there is a positive bias as you have sort of a pre-selection, which might not always be the case with your telco provider. But let's be honest, I'm sure everyone else has their top three reasons as well, while someone else's life is easier, or to stay in CX terms while somebody else's MPS is a lot higher. And as much as that is true, that shouldn't be used as an excuse. I, I do strongly believe telcos can and will close those gaps in the future. CX is gaining a lot of momentum. New technologies allow those telcos to identify key issues customers have. At the end of the day, they will have to improve if they want to stay in the game. So it's going the right direction. It will just take a bit of time and it will probably take a bit more maturity on certain CX programs itself. Yeah, absolutely. Telco sector will close the gap and why not even be ahead of um, other industries with also, of course, a lot of digitalization happening, etc. Things might uh, change uh, quite rapidly. This was really super insightful, Dave, and I really love your example about the electric Christmas lights as there are so many things that uh, impact the customer experience uh, which are out of the telco control. And especially now during the current lockdown, I spent over a month uh, in the countryside and I was supposed to have a high-speed broadband. But it turned out that uh, my father provided the credentials to the neighbor. <laughs> and uh, the fact that we're having uh, video conference calls with my wife and, uh, and the neighbor being on YouTube is <laughs> literally to a poor experience. And I tried to call the provider. Uh, but they said that there are just too many devices attached and I figured out what exactly has happened. <laughs> yeah. yeah, see. And, and still, in the first place, you kind of blame your provider for the issue. So, and, and it's a natural thing to happen. You know, it's like it's, it's not customers are not wrong looking at it that way. But it is an extra challenge for a telco to deal with that and to, to mitigate those type of issues. Absolutely. Uh, we already started touching upon it, but... Um, What's the impact of the current crisis and the coronavirus on the telco sector? It's, it's interestingly enough, it actually is a positive impact. And it's, it's as odd as that sounds, but it, it is very logical. Now, what, what's been happening? The, the telco products, connectivity, entertainment, just have become a lot more important. People have been locked down at home. They have been consuming more TV. You needed your internet connection for work all of a sudden. So that has increased the perceived value of your telco products whilst it didn't come at any extra cost. So it, it feels like you get more for the same money compared to before the crisis. Um, the second factor that happened is the level of forgiveness has increased. There, there were more important issues obviously out there. You're worried whether your relatives, whether your family is, is sound and healthy. So slightly slower internet speed or 
your favorite series where you probably missed to record one asset just didn't feel as bad anymore as before. It, it still doesn't mean customers like it, obviously, but it means that you seem to get more for what you're paying. And if there is a bit of an issue, that's just such a tiny thing compared to the worldwide crisis we're in. So ultimately it did help telcos, but, uh, and that's sort of a bit of a warning, so to say, um, it, is very likely just a temporary effect. Soon as we turn back to normal, it's even more important now than before to prepare to understand what your customer needs are and to understand what you need to do for the months to come to maintain those levels of customer experience. Be it again to when life turns back to normal or when the next time in the year comes where electric Christmas lights become a popular thing. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. And we see this level of forgiveness also um, across other industries uh, that it has increased, even with uh, when it comes to employee and employee experience, the fact that you're getting your salary and on time and you still have something to do. It's uh, has a lot of employee experience, of course, have also increased. Um, here, I also wanted to ask you, as some companies even stop their regular CX uh, surveys, uh, but really, it's very important now, probably more important than ever, to learn how the customer needs uh, are changing. Um, so, what advice would you provide to um, such companies? How to yeah, how to capture this? I mean, end, end of the day, it's it's well. Advice number one certainly is don't stop your program, don't slow it down. Keep keep collecting those insights, keep those informations coming in. You you might see different topics obviously at in in your top list right now, just because again we're we're in a tricky situation. Um, but you will have that ground noise of of customers asking for certain features, asking for certain improvements. And those things, those topics will become more important soon as that one big crisis thing is going out of out of your list. So in, in a sense, it's, it's really keep doing what you did before. Um, make sure that you keep collecting those insights, make sure that you keep driving actions, even if you're probably busy with other things at this very moment. Because there will be that one point in time where all those good old topics will be back on top of your list. And the better you prepare for them, the more you spend this current time in mitigating some of these issues, the more likely you'll be able to maintain that improved experience that you're currently facing. Right. So if I can summarize it, uh, yeah, continue tracking it, uh, do your homework and try to solve some issues that have been around for quite some time so that... Uh, when customers decide again that they might be willing to switch to another vendor, uh, they won't do it because you fix the major issues. Okay, yes, yeah, sounds sounds great and it's uh, super helpful for sure for our listeners. I know that you have a lot of experience in CX analytics and really want to touch this more. Uh, if you can share a bit what you've been doing in this um, space, it will be great. And CX analytics is, is, it really is the beauty and the beast of your CX program. It's the, the ability to turn data into actionable insights. That, that's what every CX person in this world is striving for. And having it or not having it can actually either make or break your CX program. 
But in some cases, it can be pretty difficult to A, find the right data. We're all sitting on a lot of it, but which one of it is meaningful, which one probably isn't. And on the other hand, also derive the right insights from it. And I, I have one sort of my absolute favorite sample when it comes to data not always speaking for itself. It, it comes from a prediction model we've built quite a while back. And what that data or the model suggested is that forest density, so yes, I mean the number of trees per square meter in a certain area, so that, for, that forest density is an important driver of your churn. Now, believe, okay. me, <laughs> believe me when I'm saying planting trees wouldn't have fixed that issue at all. Yeah. Um, what, what it ultimately obviously suggested is that the more trees you have in an area, the more that is a suburban area. So in fact, the data started to distinguish between urban and suburban areas. And looking at it that way, that started to make sense because in urban areas, you have more young customers, they're more likely to move. You probably have more students that only need services for a temporary time. But again, if you just looked at the initial outcome of the pure data, you probably would have started to plant trees. Right? Um, so that's one thing. I think understanding your data, understanding what it really says is extremely important. Now, once you do, and, and there is tools, there is skills, there is companies like Gemseek who are absolutely great at doing exactly that job for you, um, then analytics can really turn into the holy grail of your CX program. Right, yeah. Again, yeah, great example and that you might think twice when you get a result out of, the, out of your data model. It might turn that the variable that you've included might not be. Um, you might need it, in fact, yeah. <laughs> yeah. well, it, it doesn't always speak for itself. Yeah. You need to somebody who, who makes sense of that and turns it into something that really will help to improve business. Okay, uh, great. And um, what about some specific uh, stories? Can you share how really you managed to make an impact? There's, there's definitely a lot of those. I could probably spend a few hours talking about them. But, yeah, we don't have so much time. Uh, that's, that's a pity. So. Let, let me come up with, with two very specific samples, I believe, that uh, probably will sound familiar to most people working in CX or telco. Um, first one being, usually you'll, you'll have like 50 to 80% of your customers that simply won't ever respond to a survey, which is okay. Now, the challenge is that means you have no idea whether those 50 to 80% of your customers are happy or unhappy or what challenges they probably encountered in using your services, which basically means you can't act upon. You're only touching that 20% of respondents and you might have great programs to touch those and to interact with them and to make them more happy, but what's with everybody else? And that's a great sample where data analytics, building a predictive model can actually help you to identify unhappy or happy customers in that part of the non-respondents in your customer base. What that basically means is that all of a sudden you have a reach that is up to five times bigger. So any existing retention or sales campaign you're running, all of a sudden can reach out to up to five times more customers. So that's certainly making a great business case if you can boost an already existing good case you have. 
And I mean, credit to where credit goes, we've built that model together with the GemSeq team, hitting an astonishing 85% accuracy. So we, we don't know that customer. He never responded to us. And with an 85% accuracy, we can predict whether or not that customer is happy and then obviously act upon just like if he would have responded to the survey. So that, that was certainly one of the greatest um, samples of data analytics, but there is an almost more obvious one. And that brings me to sample two, call centers. Everybody has them, um, very common topic, waiting time. Now your customers complain waiting time is too long. If you don't know how long that individual customer actually has been waiting, you might go and try to just shorten the time only to find out three months down the road that it's still not good enough or that you've overdone it, which essentially means you're creating cost without the real return in customer satisfaction. Now, again, no big surprise in this context, data analytics here can help you to merge those two sets of information, take your feedbacks, take your information about call waiting times, merge them together, which will allow you to identify like the perfect waiting time. How long is a customer willing to wait before it becomes annoying? Is a slightly longer waiting time really an issue or are there other factors coming in? And if you haven't done it so far, got a little spoiler alert, yes, there is something like a too quick answer rate. Um, so you, you can pick up phones too fast, so to say, which basically again means there is cost that doesn't help your customer satisfaction. Obviously, if you approach your ops guy with that information and say, hey, we can actually allow for long waiting time, he'll likely not turn down that discussion with you um, as it might be something that helps him to reduce costs while you'll still improve your customer satisfaction. So again, a second sample of how making use of the data you have and enriching your customer feedbacks with your operational data can end of the day even make you save money whilst improving customer experience. Thanks for sharing, Dave. Both examples are really fascinating. The first one, it uh, brought you and our team the best use of AI CX award. So congrats for this one. Thank you. And the second one, it's um, really very interesting to what you said that having customer feedback in relation is not very actionable. Great example about uh, co-waiting time and that I always thought that, for example, if you pick up the phone, the sooner it's the better and customers will be more satisfied. But when you run the data, obviously you see that this doesn't have uh, impact and they can might wait for a minute or two. Uh, yeah, which is not so obvious, uh, but when you can connect these data sets, you can clearly see it. Um, here, what we're seeing for, and hearing from many of our uh, customers is that they say that it's um, difficult to access this data and to run and execute such cross-department initiatives. Um, can you provide here some insights of how you did it and what were the steps? It's, I mean, it, it obviously really depends if, if that type of data is being captured and being stored. Now, if, if not, good news is it still means you can start today and in three months down the road, 
you'll have created enough data. Now, usually that data sits somewhere. So call data is being used in many ways to optimize your workforce and so on and so forth. So it's really more a matter of one hand side, making sure that your surveys are not anonymous. If you, if you don't know who's being given feedback, there is so little you can actually do with that feedback. So make sure you do know who's given feedback because that will allow you to connect those two pieces of data. And, and from there on, so if you have the two pieces, you have that unique key being your customer ID or whatever, whatever identifier you're using, then it's really more just the having the technology, having the skills to actually run it. Now you can even build that yourself or you can approach somebody like Gemseek um, who can help you with creating that connection, with making sure that your samples are representative for your customer base and, and sort of all the techie ins and outs and do's and don'ts. Um, but but it's, it's not that hard in the end of the day. Um, again, your biggest challenge might be if you're not collecting that type of data today, then you have to start doing it first and you'll probably need a couple months time to have piled up enough information to make it a reasonable analysis. But other than that, it, it's really just a matter of execution in most of the cases. Right, yeah. Then what you said, uh, when you go to the call center manager and provide them with a simple answer of how can they cut, uh, like, I don't know, several hundred euros or several millions even, they won't kick you out of the room. Yeah, I mean, if, if, if you tell him that he can double his call waiting time, which saves him money, he's probably interested enough to listen to another few more sentences from you. Right. Yeah. And uh, you, in this way, really change the perception of the CX department from someone who is doing uh, the satisfaction to someone who is really thinking holistically about the cross department effect. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, great. I wanted to ask you about um, two challenges that um, many of our customers are uh, facing. Um, it will be amazing to get your thoughts as I know that uh, you managed to deal with them at least to, to a large extent. Um, so what we're hearing over and over again is that um, our clients are stuck on operational improvements and can't move really to the next step where can, they can make strategic uh, ones. Um, how you manage to escape this trap? I think the largest extent goes a bit back to, to the previous question. It's, it's really about proving the value your CX program can create. You, you're typically in any setup or company, you, you'll be competing with other programs and other projects for funds, for resources, for priority. Now, if your CX program is the only one on the list that doesn't have a price tag on it or doesn't have a business case to come with it, you'll most likely not make it into the top priorities of that specific company. So knowing what value you can create and being able to translate your, we're making customers happy into revenue, into extra sales that will drive into retention, you can drive with it is the ultimate key to, to really get into the priority lists really get into the more strategic type of priorities of your company itself. Now, the second part, and that's probably again, almost the easier, if you run an operational CX setup already, you collect feedback, you act upon, you fix issues for individual customers. What's extremely important there is to keep a good overview 
So rather than just looking at the individual customer issues you're fixing, which is all great, understand structural issues they have emerged from. Because fixing an issue is great, being able to prevent it in the first place is even better, not just because it's cheaper, but even if you deal well with an issue, a customer not experiencing issues is likely to be even more happy. So make sure that if you have 20 people that call unhappy customers or something, gather insights from those employees as to what the structural issues are, what is topics that happen a hell lot. And from there on, you can then again, build specific programs to actually improve the journey rather than to fix individual customer issues. But also there, you need to understand the value that will create, the number of calls that will prevent, the recommendations it might create, to make sure that, that when you're getting put into a priority list, you can fairly compete with all the other programs that will typically have those financial numbers assigned. Yeah, yeah, great. Makes a lot of sense. And it seems um, easy, but yeah, definitely many companies are facing a lot of challenges, especially of building a meaningful business case. They might act upon customer feedback, but again, they might be struggling somehow with... Uh, combining all the different uh, operational initiatives into a bigger tactical or strategic improvement? I think it, it, it really is. The, the key challenge really is typically that there is a lack of, of business cases for these type of programs. And, and then it's just being in a business that, that is all revenue driven, that is all sales driven. Um, if, if you can't translate your initiative into those key KPIs your organization is tracking, then obviously, um, and probably rightly so, you'll have a challenge to spend money and spend time on a CX program. But I think good news is it's not that hard to prove that there is value from those programs. Yeah, absolutely. Totally agree. And if you're not, um, if you can't link your program to something on the financial statement that you're out of the game. Yeah, absolutely. And it's, I mean, the, the, Really, again, sort of good news there is in many, many CX business cases I've seen in the past years throughout different companies or even industries, in a lot of cases, you'll find about a factor five or more of on, on the return of your case. So turning unhappy customers into happy customers has an extremely huge value. And all it takes to untap that is, is again, marry up your CX data with financial performance of customers, with transactional performance of customers, and then simply compare and say, look, unhappy customer, happy customer. If there is a factor five in profit in between, that should make for a pretty good business case um, that it has a high likelihood to make it into the priority list of your company. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, and it will be even probably more accurate uh, a lot of business cases that sit there within the financial department. Yeah, true. Because ultimately, if you have the data, you can prove that yours is right. And that's always kind of kind of powerful. Absolutely. We're reaching the end of our conversation, and we ask at the end of our guests uh, to provide only one single advice to the CX leaders how to achieve a bigger impact. What would be yours? Well, I think there is only one that can fit into uh, this one and only um, reason to name, and that really is stop talk MPS. 
start talking the language of your business peers, of your stakeholders, explain them how changing day-to-day -day business can translate into sales, can translate into churn by fixing things customers complain about. That, that is your holy grail of CX. Um, and again, looking at some of the cases in the past years, they have been as good as printing your own money. Well, with the slight difference that printing money is illegal in most places I know of. Yeah, definitely. It, it's not that hard. It takes takes a bit of time. It, it might need to break down a few hurdles. But once, once you're there, that will just give you a totally different position. That will give your CX program a totally different position and obviously make it a lot easier to grow that program and create more value for the company at the end of the day. Thanks, Dave. Very inspirational. And I'm pleased that I had today as my guest on the CX Impact podcast, uh, Dave Pataritsa, CX telco expert who cracked CX program ROI and used CX analytics to achieve impressive cross-organizational impact. You can find Dave's contact details um, in the podcast comments. Thanks uh, for the inspirational conversation, Dave. Thank you for the opportunity. If you want to continue the conversation about anything you heard today or to learn how can JMC help you speed up your customer experience success, please write us a message. Thank you. If you liked this episode, hit follow and visit gemseek.com to learn more. Let's make an impact on the world of CX together. Thank you for listening.